I'm going to read um, the scripture that Nicole is going to be teaching on today. It's Acts 7, 20 through 29, if you want to follow along uh, on your phone or in your Bible. At this time, Moses was born, and he was beautiful in God's sight, and he was brought up for three months in his father's house. And when he was exposed, Pharaoh's daughter adopted him and brought him up as her own son. And Moses was instructed in all the wisdom of the Egyptians, and he was mighty in his words and deeds. When he was 40 years old, it came into his heart to visit his brothers, the children of Israel. And seeing one of them being wronged, he defended the oppressed man and avenged him by striking down the Egyptian. He supposed that his brothers would understand that God was giving them salvation by his hand, but they did not understand. And on the following day, he appeared to them as they were quarreling and tried to reconcile them, saying, Men, you are brothers. Why do you wrong each other? But the man who was wronging his neighbor thrust him aside, saying, Who made you a ruler and a judge over us? Do you want to kill me as you killed the Egyptian yesterday? At this retort, Moses fled and became an exile in the land of Midian, where he became the father of two sons. All right, so with that, let's jump into today's text and what we're going to be talking about. So as a church, we're unpacking this theme of exile, and we're spending several weeks, I think we're going up to Easter, in this theme of exile that is threaded throughout Scripture. And because we think that it's really helpful as followers of Jesus to consider this exile imagery and to see ourselves as exiled people. How do we live well wherever God has placed us? What does that look like for us as the people of God? Because as followers of Jesus, we can feel like strangers in a strange land, right? That is not our true home. We understand that discomfort that we feel when we are surrounded by a culture that does not align with the way of Jesus, the way that we are choosing to pursue. So what, you know, makes us think, what are we to believe? Uh, How are we to respond? So what does that look like for us in our lives? And so considering this theme of exile, that exile is our reality of living in a fallen world that is not yet as it should be. We are learning that, um, that God is with his people in exile, though, that he is faithful, And God uses exile to change us. He uses exile to bless others. It has a purpose, and it isn't wasted. And in the midst of our own cultural moment in time, it is so important that followers of Jesus do not get confused over who God has called us to be. We are his faithful witnesses in a hostile world. We rest in a greater God, and we live by a better hope. So as we started planning, you know, for this year, several months ago, as we're kind of looking ahead, excuse me, looking ahead, we kept thinking, um, maybe focusing on this theme of exile can actually help better equip the people of God, the people of our church, to walk through another tense and unpredictable election year. What does that look like? How can we do that well? How can we do that better than maybe we've done in the past? Because we don't know what cultural events are going to come this year, what shifts we're going to face, what challenges we might deal with, either personally or as a society. Um, But we do know that we always have the opportunity to be salt and light. And that does not change or get put on the back burner during an election season. And I think sometimes we forget that. 
I'm tempted to say that other Christians forget that, right? Um, But I forget it too, and I need the reminder as well. So in light of this theme, this exile theme, today we're talking about choosing exile, which might sound a bit odd, but um, we're going to think about that through the lens of Moses. So throughout Scripture, exile is typically imposed, usually because of sin or idolatry. And we saw that it begins, we see that it begins with Adam and Eve, right? Um, How God made them the perfect home to dwell with him in the garden, but sin and brokenness ruined that, and they were forced to leave and enter into exile. And they could not stay where God intended them to live. But even as they were put into exile from the garden, God still provided for them. God was still with them. God still loved them. And the same is true for us. And then last week, we looked at Abram Abram and Sarah, who were sent out of their homeland into a new land that God had called them to. And he said that they were blessed so that they would be a blessing. And the same is true for us, too. Wherever we are, whoever God has put in our lives, with whatever resources that we have been given, we are blessed to be a blessing, whatever that looks like for us. And so the rest of Genesis tells the story of Abraham's son Isaac, who had Jacob, who had Joseph. And Joseph also experienced exile. He was hated by his brothers who sold him into slavery, who was then sold to Potiphar in Egypt. And then while he was exiled in Egypt, he found favor with God. And among the rulers and Pharaoh, and he was able to be a blessing to the Egyptians. Eventually, his brothers, they also settle in Egypt, and this is how the people of God, this is a very short version of how the people of God uh, ended up there in Egypt. Joseph and his brothers die, um, but the Israelites continue to live there and multiply. But in the case of Moses, we see something different. We see someone who actually chooses exile. And this is not how I originally read the text. Um, I think if you read it just in Exodus, you could take it as this guy who loses his temper, he makes a really bad choice, he kills someone, and now he's running from the law. And that's how I read it when you just read it in Exodus. It's, it's, um, but if we go to Hebrews chapter 11, we get a slightly different perspective. And, you know, Hebrews chapter 11 is known as the Hall of Faith chapter, and in this chapter, Moses is celebrated. So as we're looking at his story and what it means to choose exile, I want to anchor us in Hebrews to see what it says about him. So we're going to read there together. Look at Hebrews 11, um, 23 through 26. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by by his parents, because they saw that the child was beautiful, and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward." So that changes how you read Exodus. That changes it for us. Moses had a comfortable royal life, but he was willing to throw it away to identify with the slaves in Egypt, to identify with his own people. But he did so because they were God's people. They were his true family, and he could not continue to identify with the oppressors. 
but it was costly, right? Moses lost everything. He had to flee from the only home that he knew, but in doing so, God used Moses to put his glory on display and bring salvation to the people. So today we're going to consider this idea of identity and holiness, even when it leads us to exile, even when we have to meet, even when that means that we have to choose exile and hardship. So it can be a really easy story to read. Uh, it can be a really easy thing to just read a story in scripture, especially one as familiar as the Exodus story, uh, and not consider what it must have felt like for the characters in that moment. So I want us to be curious about this story. When we think of Moses, we think of this great leader, right, who meets God in a burning bush. He leads God's people out of slavery. He goes to the mountain and he meets with God and he comes down with the law and the Ten Commandments. He was considered in scripture a friend of God. I've always thought of Moses like as this like super epic spiritual grandpa, you know. Um, But before we get to that version of Moses we find him living a privileged life in the courts of Pharaoh. And then how how did he get there? Well, Moses, we know, he was born into an enslaved people, the Hebrews. And God rescues Moses from genocide that is occurring, where the Hebrews, they're growing so quickly in numbers that they're becoming a threat to Pharaoh. And so he actually commands population control and uh, requires that all baby boys that are born are to be killed. But... God delivers Moses through that by having him put in a basket and placed in the Nile River to be discovered later by Pharaoh's daughter. She adopts him, um, but at the same time, Moses' sister, who we later find out is Miriam, she offers uh, to provide a Hebrew woman to nurse and care for the baby on the Egyptian's behalf. And twist, this is Moses' mom, okay? So it's like this really cool thing that ends up happening here. Moses is cared for by his own mom, an Israelite, before he moves in and becomes part of the Egyptian family. Now, we don't know how long he was with his birth mom, but, uh, you know, looking around, reading it, anywhere from three to eight years, they say that Moses stayed with his mom. We do know that he must have, he had to have been there long enough, though, to gain and understand his racial identity. He was raised by his own family, he learned who he was, and he received his Hebrew identity first. This is so important to understand about Moses. So when he's adopted into the royal family, he gets to then experience royal privilege. He receives training and skills and education. Do you see how God's hand is all over Moses' life? We know that Moses is the one who will lead the Israelites out of Egypt. But when you go back to the origin story of Moses, you see God working to prepare and equip him from the very beginning. He needed the heritage of his identity, and he needed the training and skills of the Egyptians so that he could be the deliverer of the Israelites. God's hand is all over this. And do you ever think about how God has prepared you? Have you ever reflected back in gratitude on what God has done for you? Um, For me, I kept thinking about Salt and Light and the community we have in Fort Worth and the ministries that we've gotten to be part of, that my family's been able to be part of. And we were never even planning to move to Fort Worth. This was a last-minute diversion. We always had our eyes set on moving somewhere else. And the month before we were to move, God made it abundantly clear, and everything shifted, and we ended up in Fort Worth. 
Could, we have could God have used our life elsewhere? Of course. Could uh, incredible things have happened, and would God still have used us for his glory and his kingdom? Absolutely. But we also know that he went before us, and he prepared us for this, for the life that we have here. So think about that for yourself. What good things, what bad things, what hard things has God used to shape you and to bring you where you are today? It's easy to think that God prepared Moses because, of course, right? Uh, he had a big task ahead of him. It's Moses. It's our epic spiritual grandpa, you know? Um, but you actually matter just as much. And God uses our circumstances to prepare us, too. So Moses lived in two worlds in this tension. He spends his early years with the Hebrew family as part of the slave class, and then he spends his years as a youth and as an adult as part of the wealthy and elite royal class. So where does he find his identity? Who is he really? Because he can't be both. So now if we're going to do a deep dive into Moses, we would then skip ahead to all the other things that are awesome about him, right? The burning bush, the Passover, crossing the Red Sea, Mount Sinai. Um, but what I want us to do is to actually just sit with Moses when he is living comfortably in the palace and consider what we would do. Imagine you are Moses. Other Hebrew boys your age were either murdered um, after birth, or they were outside your window making bricks and building pyramids and working all day as slaves. But you, you live in the palace. You are safe, you are comfortable, you are wealthy, your future is bright. But you also know who you really are and that it's wrong the way that the Hebrews are treated. But to keep your comfortable life, it would require you turning the other way. It would require making excuses that you deserve the life you have and they deserve theirs. Because standing up for them, defending them, identifying with them would be foolish, wouldn't it? It would mean giving up everything and leaving the comfort and the privilege and the ease and the wealth behind. What would you do? Well, we know what Moses does. He stands up for a Hebrew, and he kills an Egyptian, and it ends up costing him everything. Scripture, scripture is quick to point out that Moses, in that moment, he is identifying himself with the Israelites. He sees what's happening, and he rightly recognizes the injustice, but he trusted in his own ability to liberate the Israelites, and he sought to bring about this by his own way, and it backfires. The next day, he sees two Hebrews fighting, and he tries to interject again and mediate, and they have no respect for him. They say, who made you judge and ruler? They know what he did, and they reject him. And then Pharaoh finds out about this, and he tries to kill Moses. So Moses flees to, from the only home that he knows. He's rejected by his people, and, he's, and Pharaoh is after him. So he flees. He chooses exile. And then Moses spends 40 years living as a shepherd in the land of Midian before God shows up to him in a burning bush and calls Moses back to free the Israelites. 40 years. He went from the prince of Egypt to a shepherd in Midian. 
And do you think he ever questioned his decision as he was tending his sheep? Was this worth it? Did any of this really matter? Was it worth it? Exile is costly, so rarely is it actually chosen. There's a story in the Gospels of Jesus meeting a rich young ruler. In many ways, his life may have looked a lot like Moses' life. You know, he had wealth and power and influence. He wanted to inherit the kingdom of God, but when Jesus called him to sell his possessions, give to the poor, and follow Jesus, it was too costly for him. Following Jesus and submitting to his way is costly, and it often does lead to loss and exile. Many of you know my grandma passed away in December. Uh, when the, the year I was born, she became sober. Christmas would have been her 40th anniversary of her sobriety. So for my entire life, she was a spicy, faithful woman of God who loved her family. The part of her life that I didn't see, you know, was all of the stuff, all of the pain and suffering and, and just trauma that happened that led her to become sober. And when they, uh, a few days after her funeral, I was helping clean out her apartment, um, which is a whole other thing to have to do. Um, when I was cleaning out her apartment, though, I found an old journal of hers. This, this, it, almost, it was so bizarre. It almost felt like you know, one of those things that you would like see in a movie. You know? I found this old journal with a note in it that actually said that it was okay to read. Okay, So I was like, okay, you know, I'm going to keep going then. It was from 1989. Um, that was six years into her sobriety. And in this journal, she was talking about how hard it was to be sober how much that she needed and relied on God's strength in his presence, how hard it was to be around others. The first five years of her sobriety were especially painful and isolating, and she wrote about that. And she wrote about how much she loved going to her church group and how much she loved being with her AA friends because they encouraged her to keep going, because they understood her pain and they were with her in that. And I think there was a long season of her life that she felt exile in a very acute way. It was costly for her to do what she did, but she stayed faithful to her sobriety by staying faithful to God. Has following Jesus led you to experience loss and exile? Perhaps from your family or your job or, or some relationships or even from your homeland? Um, but when we embrace exile for the sake of holiness, we do so by faith, trusting that God's kingdom is better. <coughs> and by choosing exile, Moses is a foreshadow of Jesus because Jesus is the true exile. Jesus is the one who left the Father's side. He did not turn a blind eye. He chose to leave home, to leave the kingdom of heaven, and enter into the hardship and suffering and exile that people were experiencing. He was exiled into full humanity. He lived among us. He was rejected and despised. Read with me in Philippians 2. See how it describes it. Have this mind among yourself, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, 
but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. He humbled himself. He did not fight for his heavenly rights, but instead he faithfully loved and served and preached the kingdom of God. This exile for Jesus was also the way, though, that he would save us. His exile gave us the way to the Father through the Son by the Spirit. Because Jesus chose exile and the cross, you and I are freed from the slavery of sin and given the promise that one day exile will be done away with forever. In Revelation 21, we know these beautiful words that it says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Is that never just not incredible to hear? One day Jesus will make his home with us on earth and sin and death and suffering will be no more. This is the home that we were created for, that we all long for, whether we are able to uh, explain it in that way or not. That is what our longing is for. And it's because of this future hope that we have through Jesus that we can choose God's kingdom and holiness today even when it is costly and it leads to exile or separation in this life because what God has in store for his people is better. And we identify with Jesus when we too are willing to embrace his kingdom, especially when it is costly. So what does it look like for us? How do we live this out ourselves? A few things I want us to consider. Um, a, few, a couple things. First, to follow Jesus is to experience exile. We are to be in this world, but not of it. Jesus makes that very clear to us. He has this whole teaching about it in John 17. We are to be in the world, but not of the world. So like Moses and like Jesus, we choose exile too. And then also to follow Jesus means that our identity is in him. Many things can be our primary identity, and this is one of those things that why this matters to have this conversation now at the beginning of 2024. Many things can be our primary identity, and we can latch on quickly in culture to what we really want to identify with, whether it's a political, political party or a leader, a movement, a cause, a nationality, family heritage. Um, all of those things can be our preferred identity. We can be much clearer about declaring those things, I'm this kind of person, I believe this thing, this is who I want to be known for, we're so much uh, quicker to do that than we are to declare our pri primary identity is in Jesus. As disciples of Jesus, our truest identity is in him. So our behavior and our motives and our heart, it should reflect Christ. And then to follow Jesus means to keep coming back to the gospel for ourselves. Every day, we must choose, we must decide what truly defines us. And when we can't make the right choice, 
because it is hard and it is costly, we have a true and better Moses who pulls us out of slavery to all, all other masters, and he reminds us of our true home and identity found in him. The only way to faithfulness is to keep coming back to the gospel for ourselves. Remember what truly defines you. And so as we consider what it means to be the people of God who are living in a land and a culture that is not our true and better home, there's good news and bad news for us. The bad news is, is that we do still feel the pains of exile as we yearn for things to be made right, for oppressive power to be overthrown, for injustices to be treated justly, for freedom to come to all peoples in all ways, not just for us who are privileged. Uh, we feel that tension in culture. And each of us in this room, we all have particular things that we see and notice that break our heart. God has built us that way, and he knits us together as a family for that so together, as we wait in exile for God's kingdom to be restored, as we do, we practice being a faithful witness of God to a hurting world around us. We don't add to the chaos, but we add to the peace. But the good news is that Jesus has already overthrown and defeated the powers of sin and death. His kingdom is breaking in and setting people free. Our exile is actually an exile of victory, where we are empowered to live faithfully to Jesus by the Spirit. Our identity is the hopeful exile. So I want us to keep that in mind, the hopeful exile, as we make space for communion now. As you hold the bread and the wine, you remember that it represents the body and the blood of Jesus. And just as Moses chose exile, we remember that Jesus chose exile for us. That Jesus came to deliver us from our own bondage. He came to us. He pursued us. He died for us. He conquered death for us. And what you are holding represents that for us. He rescued us from our sins, and he sets us free. When we eat the bread and the wine, remember that Jesus is your true and better deliverer. That because of him, we are hopeful exiles. So take and remember now. Let me pray for us. God, I'm so humbled by the truth that you chose exile for us. That you came to us to rescue us from our own death, our own sin, and that you have moved us in to get to experience your victory over that. God, may we joyfully remember that even though we are exiles, we have hope because we are hopeful exiles, exiles in victory because of you. We love you, God. It's in your name I pray, amen.